Let us not be ashamed to speak what we shame not to think. Michel de Montaigne. In a realm abound with fragility and fabrication, truth is forced underground. We must, as sentinels do, provide sanctuary to the marketplace of ideas. And so, let us prepare to proclaim boldly and contend forthrightly before the court. This is Candor and Counter. Hey guys. Hello. So we're back. Welcome to uh, this episode. Of Candor. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Women's rights versus and, modern uh, feminism. So this week, it's just going to be me, David, and uh, my brother. Chris, that's me. Sean's off on some vacation somewhere. I don't know. He's He left the state, but... It's just you and me today. That's all right. So we're going to kick it up this week, and we've been going through and digging. We were looking for some stuff on modern feminism, some stuff on women's rights, and comparing the two and seeing what we forgot, what we didn't forget, and if we were on point, if we weren't. There there were a lot of questions at the end of the uh, Candor episode that were unfulfilled we had a pretty like solid opinion but there were there were questions because we didn't have the data or knowledge yeah i think we left a lot on the table that we probably could have went over i think that we missed some stuff and that's going to be that's going to be a regular thing just because when you have a an episode where you only go off the top of your head and you're just like winging it the whole 40 minutes. You, you don't think of everything. No, even if it's like mentioned slightly or something. Yeah. And as we started this thing, the podcast as a whole, I mean, it's like you feel kind of stressed when you're in it. It's not like I feel pressured to say the right thing, but you feel like you're scrambling sometimes, right? For the right words and the right ideas. And then afterward, as you're studying, you're like, I should have so talked about that. And I should have mentioned this. Like, but, especially if it's a larger part of the uh, 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 topic. And <laughs> you just mention it once. You glaze over a lot. Yeah. You know, you talked about one time how you look back and you think, well, I you sort I, of judge what you did. Yeah. I know that sometimes I tend to assume the listener might know what I'm talking about, or I know what I already believe about a specific subject and it doesn't come up and I'm worried about too many technical issues, but I'll be thinking about the details of like how to define something properly. And I'm not remembering, Hey, I need to share this thing about my opinion. Like we mentioned that trans might be considered intersectionality for feminism. And then that was it. That was all. (laughs) We didn't go any further. That was our complete coverage of an issue that sort of dominates the day. But I think that's the benefit of Candor Encounter is you get to go, man, I totally glossed over that. But we will definitely be getting into it. So I don't know about you, Chris, but uh, 
I, I deep dived into the history of feminism. Well, and women's rights, to be fair. But uh, when I deep dove into them a lot farther than I thought I would. Into the history part? Yeah. It only happened... All right, this is actually something else we need to talk about. Everybody listening, I want you to pull out your phone, or if you have it out already, open up Google or Yahoo or whatever you use. Go into the search bar and look up the wage gap is real. And tell me if you find anything... Well, hold on, I should say, like, feminism, the wage gap is real. That way it specifies, because you can find, like, you can find other stuff. But type it in and tell me what you find, because we delved into trying to find ways for modern feminism to be good i guess that would that'd be the best word i could use like yeah like we were digging for support for modern yeah. feminism that was obviously our goal in our last episode we talked about how we supported equality sort of across the board and that's not really the goal of modern feminism if we're searching for the counter narrative and we want to come up with something, it's going to have to support feminism if it goes against what we currently believe. So that's what we were all digging for. And it, it really, either the information was dodging around us or like something was playing with a confirmation bias like on the computer because we were really searching hard for it. And all I could find were people like bashing modern feminism. Yeah, I had trouble too. We chatted about this a little before we started and we were talking about, I don't know if it's the algorithm because in the past I've read or watched or listened to or whatever that Google maybe decides that I have right-wing views or like, I don't know, but I know that whether it was YouTube or articles or Google, like I just couldn't seem to turn up. I mean, there are opinions out there and I found a yeah. couple of articles that did support feminism, but like I was looking for some deeper stuff. I found some opinion pieces and some, there were proponents of feminism, but the in-depth articles and the data and, and all of that stuff, that was difficult to come across. Yeah. For every, say like 15 or 20 pieces of empirical evidence for or against modern feminism, I found maybe one opinion or two opinions supporting feminism. I do think it would be fair to mention, I think the lack of information can be partly attributed because we were looking for, you stated, empirical data. I don't know if you ran across this much, but in the study of intersectionality, that is sort of a Western idea. That's part of the structure. I know this might shock some people if you're not familiar with intersectionality, but they view reason as a construct of the current system. And this empirical look at data, like this sort of finality that data gives Westerners is viewed as a construct of the hierarchies. So, I mean, the powerful people set up the study of the sciences and it was set up by mostly white males and it was like they they view the whole system, the whole system of thought 
as a way to maintain power. That's how they look at it. It was built by them for them, right? So they would look at us saying, I can't find it. <laughs> it's like this circle back yeah. thing, right? I just, we're going to run around in circles. Especially if you find evidence against. Oh, yeah. It's definitely going to be discounted yeah. because, oh, well, you're just using your own system. But I, I literally tried to use the system yeah. to be able to understand their perspective. And I got a lot of opinion. There's a lot of opinion out there, but I just couldn't really find anything substantial in the way of numbers. There are references to problem areas. Maybe I would call it. Yeah. It's like, so there's always going to be exceptions to the rule, right? You, you will never find something that doesn't have problems. If someone were to tell me right now that like all men in America didn't, support the idea of equality among men and women i'd believe it or sorry i wouldn't believe it if they told me everyone believes that equality should exist because there's no way yeah i don't believe that what what are we at 350 million and you're telling me like not one person doesn't believe in equality the chances get pretty slim, right? Yeah. Law of large numbers and all that. Yeah. There's a um, a difference that we didn't tackle last week that I feel like we probably should have. And it's a difference that I knew about, but like I said, sometimes you just... It gets lost. I have a specific belief on this. But it was one of those ideals that I hold, and I knew I hold, I had consciously decided to believe this way. And just totally left it out of the episode. So here we are in counter, sort of doing a little bit of candor recount. Candor. Candor recount? I don't know. Here we are in counter doing a little bit of (laughs) recander. I just got it recount. Or recount. Yeah. But I'm going to go back a little bit. I'm going to say equality of opportunity is different from equality of outcome. I agree. If there are any listeners that aren't familiar with the concept, equality of opportunity means you have sort of the same starting point, right? Same chance to go to the same schools. Like Your opportunity in front of you is the same and it's accessible. Equality of outcome is totally different. It's a totally different philosophy because you're just saying that in the end, it's all supposed to be equal. And that is not accounting for, I believe, human differences. And it's not accounting for the benefits of a meritocracy where your work matters and your effort matters. And and it doesn't advance anything, right? But people wouldn't make it to Mars, right, if that didn't happen? Well, it, it has the possibility of dragging other people down yeah. with it. Yeah. You wouldn't see so many people in high positions like you do now fortune 500 people some of them doing good in places of the world yeah i mean feminists would probably obviously we're probably talking about radical or yeah modern feminism they would argue with that and they would say 
they would say that those people wouldn't be there and they shouldn't be. It's so hard to argue. Even if someone just got lucky to be in Fortune 500 and they were just born into it and they just inherited it. Mm -hmm. Versus someone that, you know, put work and effort into it and or had a great idea and their mind just works that way. It's so hard to argue against like they shouldn't be there because that's so opinionated versus someone earning the right, which is an empirical. Yeah, they would claim that let's just simplify it and say like, well, they they say women are about 52 percent of the population. Why are women not 52 percent of CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies, right? The, in my opinion, biological differences between men and women and their drive and their personality and all of that, I think that it makes them, just like women avoid, I'm, I'm speaking in general terms, obviously all women don't avoid this, but just like some women avoid STEM fields and some women avoid blue collar jobs and or I would say most women avoid blue collar jobs and that kind of thing. And like we talked about last week, the high risk atmosphere. Yeah. Being a CEO of a fortune 500 company is a pressure cooker job. Men and women have ambition for different things. This is something we brought up where more men are materialistic, right? They Mm -hmm. they like things. They care about things. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, where women are typically more empathetic. So the drive for those two things, you'll see like one puts you down the path of a, you know, being uh, CEO of Fortune 500 company. And the other one puts you on the path of like doing missions for churches. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, they both have the same amount of ambition, but they're pointed in very different directions. Yeah, that's a good point. The ambition is the exact same. But, they, they have the same amount of, they want to do this, right? Mm-hmm. But they have very different objectives. Well, men point themselves toward the top of the hierarchies. That's how they orient, I believe. I mean, social hierarchies sort of determine everything about what we do. You know, it's... And women have been historically known to draw sexual partners from the top of male hierarchies. I mean, as males construct the hierarchies, then women come around and they they choose their sexual mates from the top of the male hierarchies that we organize upon our own. It's sort of how the world has operated for a long time. I mean, a lot of people view men as the sort of sexual selectors but they're really not we we all know we're really not we're not and, and that's not a cop-out i'm just saying go to a bar <laughs> and see what happens yeah right like if you walk up to somebody and walk up to a random woman and just say hey girl i guarantee you, you'll get a yes or a no where it's like or they might entertain you for a bit you're not choosing. They are choosing. You mm-hmm. are offering. And it is not a new thing. No. Females have been yeah. 
the sexual selectors for a long time. Not forever. Yeah, no, not forever. Yeah. And it's not a universal. This is a general pattern, but. Yeah, we're really skirting the edge here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I don't want to go. We say this every time. We say, I don't want to go off in the weeds. too far. And here we are. We're stuck in women's rights versus feminism candor 2.0 right now. Yeah, right. But <laughs> here, we're this this podcast is just being real. That's just what we're going to do. And we have more to do. But the honest truth is a lot of this should have ended up in the other episode. And we're just going to call it what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like we hung on to some details and refined some definitions in the candor but there was some meat that we really missed and we got even more to get to too before we can even get into where we're at now so what are those things that we left off of last episode there was a comment on facebook if you have that if you want to read that comment we'll read it i got it right here uh possibly do a logical comparison between women's right movement gains i.e. voting rights, and modern feminism, i.e. trans male competing in women's sports. And that, although I do like that comparison, I think that it brought up the, it highlighted the fact that we didn't really go over this modern perspective on feminism, which is that it includes trans people. Yeah, when we were talking about it, we always talked about it in a general term, and we didn't like think about how it, compared to nowadays yeah there's a general understanding when people talk about women or or feminism or whatever especially on the right side of the aisle that's a probably an oversimplification but i would say a broad swath of the world just views the majority of the world just views it as we're talking about women but it's a popular idea now to include trans individuals in women's rights or feminism. And I believe that it is an issue that needs to be talked about. And I believe that it is, I mean, it's an issue that they're vocalizing. So it's definitely not, an, it's not one we're bringing up. It's a new thing in the timeline of feminism. But we haven't tackled trans objectively in the podcast at all. We haven't voiced our opinions on the subject either way. But I would just say that I feel like with feminism, I mean, I'm sure that we're going to get deeper into the trans movement probably later as we go. And we all have our opinions on that. But I feel like when it plays into the feminist movement, I feel like it hurts it. Hurts it like how? All right, well, let's just take a woman's perspective, right? If you're searching for a remedy to a problem, if you're a feminist and you're searching for resolution to a, a misrepresentation somewhere, an oppression somewhere, then you have to look for a logical fix to that. Yeah. Right? But if you're including people that don't fit the description of a woman as far as maybe biologically if your issue revolves around pregnancy or if you're that are your uniquely woman yeah, yeah, yeah. qualities right okay take maternity leave for example i 
there are different battles all across the world for the feminist movement because women are viewed differently and, and dealt with differently in different cultures around the world. Like in Africa, they might have a lot farther to go in women's rights in certain parts of Africa. Anyway, there are unique challenges to feminism in different parts of the world. And in America, I think that our equality has become so close in terms of equality of, of opportunity that we fuss about smaller details. And a lot of people would say that's minimizing the problem that I'm just sort of talking around. Right. Like, but the issue, yeah, it's not that the problem isn't there. It's that there are larger problems. Yeah. I don't, and I'm, I'm not discounting that there might be fixes to things that need to happen in the United States, but I feel like we are the loudest voice. And really what I'm, I totally went a different direction than I wanted to, but I'm going to say (laughs) this changes need to happen in all parts of the world as they are farther behind inequality. Cause we, we talked about the zero point, right. About everybody being looked at as an equal individual, women, you know, people of color, it, it, men, it doesn't matter. Right. I think that they should all be treated equally. And so once you can sort of get to that point, then I guess it turns into this other argument where we worry about smaller things and those supporters tend to be very loud and they make it seem like that's what this is about. And I feel like it minimizes the movement elsewhere. The large problem that still exists. But anyway, we were on the topic of say maternity leave, for example, and that is one of the more contemporary issues, right? And what led me into that weird train of thought I was just in was there are other countries, they don't have the luxury of worrying about maternity leave right now yeah, because they have bigger issues in feminism to tackle. But anyway, let's just take paid maternity leave, required paid maternity leave as an example of a modern topic of discussion for a woman in today's world. I feel like including men who have transitioned to try to become a woman disenfranchises the woman in that scenario. Can they request maternity leave? Who? Trans women. No. And the argument is so they can? I'm not saying that the trans women are, are upset about maternity leave. I'm saying if that's a woman's issue, a real woman's issue that needs to be tackled, if that's something that a feminist is fighting for, including men, biologically men, into the feminist movement takes away from that. Oh, like... Okay, I think I see what you're saying. Them, this sounds so wrong, them existing and attempting to be a part of the movement takes away from some actually solid, like, arguments that need to be had. Right. And kind of seems like it puts them on the back burner kind of thing. 
Yes, it doesn't interfere with the argument directly. Yes, I'm saying it, it interferes with the credibility of the movement. I'm saying other people, it causes their movement see, to I lose see. credibility. Because here's the thing. It already happened with me. And I'm. this is just a personal perspective, but part of what drives me away from modern feminism is the fact that they they don't they're not okay with just including someone they have to alter their language just for that purpose like do you i mean they don't even call them women anymore they call them by their given anatomy or function of their body have you seen this no they're doing it in congress now they call them birthing persons they don't use the genders because of the now common gender fluidity spectrum, but they call them birthing persons. And I can tell you this offended my wife so much. It seems like a really detached way to say something. It's, it's very common now and it's used in official language. It's used Look for this type of language all over and you'll see it. I saw it in feminist articles when I was reading for this podcast. It's like, what was another one? Breastfeeding individual. It's just bizarre to me. But the reason they alter the language is because they don't, they don't want to specify anymore. And this trans gender fluid, um, spaghetti mess in my mind is troublesome because it carries all of this baggage with it. And I know, I mean, this is a touchy subject for a lot of people because you respect people's opinions and you respect their personal decisions, right? Especially as individualists, I believe we are you and me. So it's one of those, well, birthing persons isn't wrong per se not inaccurate it, it's it feels like you're detaching yourself from another person when you're saying that right mm-hmm. and while I don't consider myself a very empathetic person you feel like you're not saying you're saying they're not human yeah and that's that's because just you're a, you're naming somebody by their function. Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. like how a robot would name something. Reductionist. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If somebody wants to be called that, like I, don't, I really don't. I'll call you that. Sure, if it makes you happy, I don't mind. Yeah. But it's so. It'll make me <laughs> uncomfortable to say that, right? Like. Yeah. But like it's causing, it's so weird because it's like, it doesn't matter what side you're on. It doesn't matter what side you're on because somebody's going to be offended, right? There's no... If if somebody close to me, a friend or something, asked me to call them like a birthing person, if that was a term that came up, I I would agree. Because I mean, they're still my friend. Like they're part, I want them to be part of my life. From what I've seen, it's not like a personal use thing. It's not like I want, people aren't saying I want to be called a birthing person very generally. 
it usually plays out in document in public speak or articles or whatever where they want to use gender non-specific gender terms because they're afraid to say the word woman and offend people who are trans i see you see where i'm going that's the, it's sort of a utilitarian term yeah used to avoid what some people view as discriminatory language and that's what offended my wife my wife said and of course this is taking it back to a sort of personal note my wife said why can't i be called a woman now can't you just call me a woman it it, we we keep going back to this right (laughs) everything in the world has to go on by a case-by-case basis right when you're going into something like public speaking or something like that, right? If you are that worried about misgendering someone, when you go to speak, just say hello or something like that, and you'll avoid the problem completely. First of all, I, I feel like we probably live in a different world philosophically than a lot of these people in the radical feminist movement because they have such a different perspective, like a totally different worldview. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I I don't care about your feelings. I love you as a human being and your value is immense, but I do not go through life worrying about tiptoeing around everybody. I'm careful in the way that I interact with people, but I am not careful about my beliefs. I don't form my beliefs or tailor my language specifically to make people comfortable because it's that the world is too complicated for that, for me to know every individual's (laughs) perspective and then sort of live like that around them some people view this as a, as a biological binary and that the trans movement inserting itself into the feminist movement disrupts that binary. And that idea didn't exist really within the original feminist movement. Right. So that's definitely whatever that is, that fourth wave or whatever, Yeah, like definitely a new development. Because of the intersectionality of modern feminism, it has these tentacles everywhere. And I try... You saw the book, right? Or it has a central like line, like dominant, and then it had the little spokes. Are you talking... You mean... What do you mean book, though? It was... uh, I saw a diagram that had... All of the intersection, yeah. All of the it's different. same thing. That's fr- that's from that. It was a textbook. Oh, it was a textbook. Yeah. Okay. It has these tentacles everywhere, and which can be difficult during a podcast because it's like, well, it's it involves topics we haven't covered, so it's like, how deeply do you cover such an insane amount of all of these tentacles? It's also like due to the nature of intersectionality 
is we could go into every person's rights. Oh, that's the innate existence yeah. of intersectionality is it's so individually tailored by that oppressed person. But my comment about the tentacles was really to mention how it hits trans issues, but at the same time, we need one or even more episodes to really dig into trans issues, right? So it's like, it's a little exasperating there because de- it was like, de- definitely we're needs here to be like a gender. Yeah. Yeah. Gender right or not gender rights. I don't want to go rights. too deep, but it's because it's like, we're here for feminism. Yeah. Right. But I also, because it's such a large part of feminism nowadays, it's like, do you just skim it? You don't really just skim it. Cause it's half of, I would say it's probably half of the loudest yeah. voices right yeah. now, at least. It's hard not to cover trans rights when feminism kind of reaches halfway into trans rights. Yeah. So I was going to touch a little bit on my personal belief behind trans rights, but I'm just not going to go super deep and we'll just save that for the next time. There is a different intersection. Maybe <laughs> it's going to come it's up. It's going to come up. It's going to come up. Okay. So um, I'm just going to say, generally speaking, I am close to somewhere between a conservative and a libertarian. I don't like labels because I feel like they're too binary because there are so many issues to deal with that You're like, that doesn't explain my beliefs, but let me start here. I believe in individual worth, individual freedom. I think that those are two paramount ideas. And I think if you want to live that way, more power to you. You have every right to kind of thing. Right. You go live the way you want and, and everybody lets each other do that. Right. I do not believe in restructuring these power systems that exist because I believe in the constitution and I believe in the working systems and I don't believe they are inherently broken or corrupted by the patriarchy or powers that be powers that be. But I'm saying I do believe that you should be able to live whichever way you want. Now the trans movement goes much deeper than that, than my opinion on that. Like, There are individual issues we can tackle within the trans movement that one day we will have time for. But I will also say that you shouldn't be considered a biological female after or at any part during the transition in a scientific medical realistic sense i'm not saying that on a personal level if you and your friends want to support you in that you know what i'm saying like in your personal life you can exist however you want to exist and i know that they want equal representation as if they're female and that's where the struggle comes into contact conflict for me when you run up against a legal system when you run up against a medical system when you run up against say women's rights per se, reproductive rights or whatever you want to say, all of that, it, it comes into conflict with that. And that's, 
for me, you struggle like where it gets real messy. Right. And so it's not like I believe you as an individual are any worth any less because you're trans. I don't do it because I'm ordered to, but I do love you regardless of where you are. I almost don't want to stop talking about this. I have to force (laughs) myself, stop talking about this, but I also have a problem with compelled speech. And so these forced pronouns are a trouble with me because it's one thing. If my friend asks me to use a pronoun, then that becomes a personal decision that I have to deal with. And that's one thing. But when you are socially berated because you decide that, you want to use biological pronouns that fit reality in your opinion, then you become a bigot. And that, especially if you don't know, right. Especially with the online world of today Mm -hmm. and you go online and you start to talk about something with someone, even like a Facebook post or Instagram or any of these things. And you just, comment something right talking or if especially if it's a political post and you go to talk about it and you aren't on the topic of trans rights or anything like that and it comes up that one of the people you're speaking to even though they show us male in their picture they say that they're trans mm-hmm. and you said he, and then it becomes this whole thing where like, because you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So no, no one should have to walk around on almost set on glass. Eggshells. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one should have to walk around on edge eggshells like that. No one should have to, I'm interacting with this person. I should look at the profile just to check. Yeah. But also no one should also have to like wear a sign. Right. Like, if you want to be called that, you can state it at the beginning of the conversation or not get hurt when someone doesn't. Right. Yeah. There is a a mental fortitude that's been lost, I feel like. Sensitivity, maybe. Even if you do state it at the beginning of the conversation and they forget, mess up, choose not to. I mean, you don't control that person's speech. Yeah. That's air coming out of their lungs. That's thoughts they have of their their own. This is a battle nowadays. Misgendering someone is punishable. I saw that. In the UK. Yeah. And um, now in Canada. And I believe this is a move for the worse. I don't feel like this is helpful to the cause. Even if I was completely on the side of the trans movement, that's what I, I would, would feel like this is backfiring. That's what I was going to say. So I, I am very close to fully behind the trans movement. And I still believe there is a mental fortitude that needs to be had by everyone. That you just kind of have to accept that either some people are mean or you just have to accept some people mess up. Either they won't or they will. And that's just what comes with the territory. To live in a country of freedom, you have to risk getting your feelings hurt. You have to risk. 
You can stop it there. You live every day with the possibility of being offended. And the whole reason you do that is because you can live how you want. Yes. And that means the person next to you can live how they want. And that means they can say what they want, even if it hurts your feelings. And that's sort of what I was getting to earlier. And, but you made it there. I mean, although we may have a different view I think that we could coexist in the world that you and I are talking about, but in a world of compelled speech, in a world where you'll punish by law, if you don't do this, if you don't say this, I'm not, I'm not game for that. I'm not game for that. And I will fight for it for you. Just like I'll fight for it for me. You know, I, I, I don't like hurting people's feelings. It's not like I take pleasure in hurting people's feelings, but if I don't use gender labels, the way that you like me to use gender labels, it's not, it's, I'm not doing it to personally offend you. It's a law right? based on opinion, right? That, that compelled speech yeah. in the UK, that yeah. law is based on opinion. But you drag, okay. So tying it back into feminism, all of this baggage just got set on the back of feminists. <laughs> right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I feel like, you're not doing yourself any good hooking your train to that wagon, hooking your wagon to that train. <laughs> horse. Hooking your horse, hooking your horse to that wagon. Oh my goodness. Train. <laughs> this is the issue with candid episodes. Okay. But you get my point. Yeah. I mean, if you're, these are issues that need to be hashed out. But if we lived in an America that was still simple, where we could just say it's okay to be offended, it wouldn't take that much. But when we have to dictate everybody. Yeah. it, And that's why I said I'm partly libertarian, because here's the thing. We just need to learn how to live next to people we may not like. Who cares? And I don't want to live in a world where I'm forced to care about something that I don't. And individual freedom goes for feminism too, just like it goes for trans. Yes. And I, I feel like if everybody is given that equal opportunity, it carries us to the finish line. And wherever you end up is where you end up. And I'm not saying that circumstances aren't different for other people in the world, even uncontrollable circumstances. But if you want the best way for everyone to succeed in Liberty, basically like if you imagine a tall person and a short person and the tall person is the, probably the oppressed class or oppressor class, sorry. And the short person is the oppressed class. And they're all trying to look over this fence, right? Well, the tall person at a standstill with no change, like just standing flat-footed on the ground, can see over the fence and the short person can't. Okay? So, to want to give them equal opportunity, you give them stools to stand higher, right? 
if you give them both the same size stool, the shorter person can now see over the fence. But the taller person can now see, stands even higher, can see even farther when they were given both the same opportunity in the beginning. You're talking about equality over equity? Yes. Yeah. And they're saying equality of outcome means equalizing the end point, which means the starting point is altered and you give the tall person a short stool and the short person a tall stool. So they're both looking at the same height. And that was basically to show or to exemplify how, say, for example, black women in, I don't know, Congress, right? So what they're saying is since there are fewer opportunities or they are disadvantaged, they should be given that leg up even farther than just equalizing. That's what we talked about last week about going past that level of, of equality. It's a never-ending battle if you do this lifting one person higher than the... Lifting oh. one collective group identity over another, it's just going to create the seesaw effect and you're going to create a disenfranchised class and then that's going to turn around to be... I mean, they would probably claim that males could never be the oppressed class, but I don't know that that's a fair... Like, I would say it's never really been done system-wide but I would say that I don't think that any human group identity should be elevated beyond equality. I don't, I I view equality as a sort of landmark. It's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? Everybody wants to have their fair share Mm -hmm. and they're not wrong for wanting to get there. How they're to get there is wrong. Yeah, like tearing down. Yeah. If everyone was at 100%. And to get there, people are saying there is someone already at 100%. If we pull them down and we go up at the same rate, then everyone's equal all the time. And that's just making more work Mm -hmm. all around in general. And the interdependency of the sexes is, it's, it's bizarre to me. I mean... The joke goes, women and men could never be permanent enemies because there's too much fraternization. Oh, with yeah. The, enemies. the, the factual, factual, fe- feminist. factual feminist yeah. said that, yeah. And when I heard it, I was like, yeah. I mean, it's just the reality of like, she, we're going to be partners. You know, the majority of the population is, it, they're going to be paired. And there's no profit there in tearing down Men, we're all interdependent and we care for and need women and women care for and need men. And viewing it any other way, in my opinion, is damaging. Demonizing anybody. Yeah. Okay. So we now spent an hour doing a candor episode in the middle of a counter episode. And we're going to have to pare that down. We're going to have to slice and dice here. Pretty bad luck. Because we can't carry on two hours worth no. of women's rights versus feminism counter. But here's what I'm going to say. We're, we're going to have to cut that down to like 10. 
15 minutes. I don't know how what I don't know what we're going to do, but we're definitely going to have to hack all that. All right. So, we're going to roll on over into the counter episode. We've touched a little bit on some of the stuff we come across. We have a little bit dealt on where our opinions still stand. I mean, I just clearly said a minute ago, one of the most fundamental beliefs for me is individual freedom and equality. And that, and I mean that across the board. And so it would take a whole lot of evidence for me to shift. I mean, not even evidence. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm just being honest here. I don't know what it would take for me to shift my belief in individual freedom as such a core belief of mine, but I will say nothing I have come across this week has pushed me toward that edge. One of those, the week that'll happen to be the week hell freezes over kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm American <laughs> and it's liberty equality. It's just, that I'm not going anywhere. No. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like from what I've seen, of modern feminism. It's about what I expected. Well, close to what I expected. I expected a lot more of it. There wasn't a whole lot we could find. I was really surprised at how sparse the information was. I think I said this earlier, but I don't know if it was Google algorithms or what, because it tracks me all over the place, but I had a hard time supporting it was the same feminism with facts, modern when, feminism. When I was looking for something... To support feminism, basically found nothing. I just kept finding people ratting on on feminism. Yeah. Because we didn't deal in individual issues very much, and we talked about it as a broad spectrum idea last time on, on, on the Candor episode, I didn't know exactly where to go with it. You know, when we studied a little bit on the history of women's rights, and some of that can be helpful to understand sort of where they first started and what their original intentions were and what they were fighting for and how it stacks up against what they're fighting for nowadays. Yeah. Seeing the path that feminism has taken is, is definitely enlightening compared to women's rights, right? Because women's rights up until like 1920s, 28, I think. 1920s to like 1940s, almost 100% of feminism was going for suffrage. Yeah. And suffrage happened, and they're like... That was the big move. Wait, but hold on, there's other stuff too. Yeah. Which is fine. It mm -hmm. was correct. I mm -hmm. mean, there was a lot of stuff that they were missing. And then they got that, and they were like, wait, but more stuff. It was just kind of that, and it's been on that on repeat. And not all of it has been wrong. No, no, absolutely not. A lot not. of it has been right. The women's rights movement, I think I probably would have agreed with almost all of it up until modern feminism. So with women's rights, right, it, it went all the way back to suffrage, and then it, I don't want to say it ended because it hasn't, it hasn't ended. It's transformed. Right. But the most recent major development 
as far as rights go and not accomplishments or like movement toward equality, but as far as rights go, the removal of the ban from women being in combat roles in the military in like 2014 or something. But the removal of that was kind of like the most recent rights change that has happened. Saving like small life stuff, I guess. But then you look at feminism and you see that they follow kind of the same ridge line Mm -hmm. up until about mm, like 1980. And then you see this like branch and that branch turns into a tree. And that tree turns into the the sky. Like what it is now. Yeah. You almost can't contain it in the vein of women's rights because it's it gets so convoluted. And that's what I was talking about. All of these smaller needs that seem so secondary. We're in your in a world where like women can't even go to school in some countries. And I'm not saying that there aren't right there aren't women's issues that matter today yeah. in America. A lot of one is more of a this needs to change like now. it's a human rights issue yeah yeah it's not a a matter of like i mean th- right now in current is... events we're highlighted by the taliban yeah taking over in afghanistan right this highlights a big problem in women's rights but when people say modern feminism they're kind of just talking about the western world because they're <laughs> they're not worried about they're not worried about the pay the wage gap yeah everything else like they the, don't want to become a sex slave. People talk about the way feminism is in the Middle East and how how women are treated compared to men and all this. And it's more of a human rights exactly. thing than an, a feminism or women's rights. Because while, yes, it has specifically to do with the women there and the way they are treated, it's human rights that they are missing, not women's rights it's a completely different world over there yeah and if you haven't seen it if you ever have a chance and the money take a trip to uae uh united arab emirates it's a small country there yeah but them and kuwait are both allies with america and after this is all over i highly recommend taking a trip there it's life-changing to see how other countries deal with just rights in general it's so strange because like everyday people there i mean they they've learned to live with it right so for example when i went over there we had multiple trips into Kuwait city and it just seems at first glance like you know, American city, like you went down to like Austin, Texas or something for the weekend and you just like go there and hang out. Everything seems normal, right? Just because they've learned to live with it and nothing. We talked about this in the altruism episode and the self-sacrifice stuff. Ancient civilizations, how they viewed their sacrifice mm-hmm. as normal. And it's a cultural perspective. Yeah. But eventually you start seeing smaller things and smaller things because you're looking closer. They're aware that we aren't aware as Americans Mm -hmm. of their culture. So in uh, Middle Eastern culture to 
put the bottom of your foot in someone's direction that you are saying they are lower than the dirt under your feet. Hmm. Just that action. Just you like putting your leg up on your other leg and like the bottom of your boot is facing them. You're insulting them to the highest degree. It's kind offensive. Of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I feel like I'd heard that somewhere. Yeah. But it's that kind of thing. Like as it, I sit like I'm sitting cross-legged or not cross-legged. I'm sitting with one leg on my other right now, but sitting like this, it's just a normal position that I've chosen at all times of the day. Mm -hmm. I just, this is just how I sit. And when they told me that, because they told, they told me that when uh, we were prepping to go over overseas, when they told me that, I was like, guess I'm going to have to break a habit. Because that, that's one of those, like, I basically just told you I wanted to kill you and like, yeah, not bury you. It's second nature. Yeah. For you, and definitely doesn't express any intent whatsoever. And so it's something you have to be aware of. And after we got there, it was explained to us uh, deeper that basically, like, they know that we don't know. They, they're aware that people that come here are from America and they just either don't know the culture and the ramifications of random actions or don't care. It's like, it's like if some foreigners idea, like look, if you had some imaginary country right in there, the way they say hello was they shot each other, the bird everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, and then yeah, they come right. to America and then they just walk around shooting the bird everywhere. And they just with, get decked. But you just, but you're saying like people would understand like, like yeah, they they would get that the person walking around shooting birds at everybody, yeah, wasn't being it was, offensive. It was as simple as someone waving, right? Right. They would it would become understood that the foreigner didn't know, especially when there's quite a few foreigners around shooting birds at each other. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, off off that random tangent. But what I was saying was like. Um, oh, the, the differences, right? Specifically one difference that I, that was very prominent is that when you're talking to someone, if for any reason, anyone ever stopped to talk to you, anything like that, you're speaking directly to the man, never address the woman ever. If she is walking with a man does not exist. If she is walking alone, she does not exist to you. You just walk ignore them completely and that's so difficult on a personal level yes to ask because it's basically they're asking you to violate a principle of your own right like holding a door don't they'll get it if they're walking alone they'll get it if they're walking with a man he'll get it you just go about your day and that, that's, that's such a conundrum because right? hmm and you don't notice it at first until, until you start like, cause I liked it. I liked people watch it just naturally. Mm. And when they first told us, I mean, it was before we went overseas. So I didn't hate, you know, I left my head, but then we went out for to Kuwait city for the first time and we were sitting around in a mall and I was people watching while we were eating and you just, you see it everywhere. It's just one of those, like, it's not immediately obvious on this you're looking at it. Yeah. 
It's right in front of your eyes. Yeah. I don't think I shared this video because it was, we've talked about this already. It was so much anti-feminism material. I stopped sharing anti-feminism material on Facebook because basically it was looking too one-sided and we don't, we want our listeners to know, like we don't avoid the topic, the whole purpose of the podcast in our personal choice in our personal design. We designed this podcast to challenge ourselves. So we're not going to like shortcut ourselves and our own mission here. But it was like I, I difficult. Know, I don't know about Chris. I spent both Wednesday and Thursday looking specifically for s- s- things to support feminism. I, I will tell you, everything I shared came out of my search against <laughs> feminism. I mean, um, to support feminism. To support feminism. As I searched for it, I just kept running across stuff. Did you start with looking for things to support the feminism? The very first thing I started with was a well i'll say the very first source that i saw seemed pretty neutral it was the it was the vice interviews with the yeah they did the panel and the group and i liked that one by the way because i felt like they broke it up properly it was the vice interview that i came across first and i right after that i just started trying to find everything i never stopped it didn't matter because I realized very early on how difficult it was going to be. and But everything I came across was about how damaging feminism is today. But there was a video. It was a TED Talk. And it was by an African woman. She was talking about the difficulties of African women and what they struggle with. But anyway, she's an author and speaker and all kind of stuff. She's a well-respected woman, right? And like less than a year before her talk, she was at a hotel and paid the the clerk bellboy to get the bags, like load the yeah. luggage or whatever. And then like she paid the bag boy to help her in and out of the cab or with her luggage or whatever, tipped him. And he took the money and then he turned to her husband and was like, thank you, sir. I, I don't want to minimize. I was going to say minor, but. I know that's not nearly as big as, you know, Afghan sex slave issues, but it just highlights the fact that women are invisible in some parts of the world. And that I believe is an absolute loss to humanity because women are amazing and absolutely should be cherished. I, I don't want, that to happen in any part of the world. Them being viewed as anything but human is is Mm -hmm. wrong. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And if it weren't for the fight for women's rights, who knows where our society would be, but who knows what kind of world we would live in right now if they hadn't pushed that hard and brought equality up on the table and, I should be thankful for that. And I am. I don't want my view on modern feminism to make it sound like I don't care about, you know, cause I believe it was, it was a worthwhile fight. But it was, it's pretty wild to see the difference between kind of the end of 
women's suffrage and women's rights as the end to the like bell curve mm-hmm. of this wave as it leads into feminism you see feminism's bell curve start to pick up and kind of start to drift down right about now when third wave feminism showed up back in like the 1990s what was it like riot girl and anita hill and like that whole thing people started coming out with the introduction of intersectionality showing up and people started talking about it and it got bigger and bigger the objectives seem to change very heavily between women's rights and feminism when they were originally very close if not the exact same thing i agree yeah i mean they split there's a sect of the women's rights movement that disowns feminism and that was clear from our search. Absolutely. People talked about women's rights all day long. They were like, yes, when feminism started, that was it. That, that, was, that was the end goal, right? Like mm-hmm. suffrage, when it started, that was the end goal. And then we realized there was more to be had. So we had. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So after they had, they realized, actually, we're also missing this and this that you guys have, which is fair, right? Yeah. Like the wage gap that existed up until, what was it, like 1980? Yeah. 1990. And then it like fairly All equalized. but vanished. Yeah. yeah. And then once that was fixed, people just kind of started throwing things out there. But the stats are still thrown around and and the pay gap is is imagined to exist now. Even now, it's just a big. I feel like that is a, a non-issue at this point. I'm. I'm not a woman. And I'm not underpaid as a woman, so I'm not saying it doesn't ever exist anywhere in the United States. I couldn't say that there's no way that there's not a woman in the United States is. That is being underpaid. I'm sure there is. That that was one of the things that I, I, when I started looking for the information, it's very hard not to believe some of the plot holes that it has. Even if you look at the information directly from the Bureau of Labor or something like that, their information directly shows that there is a obvious wage gap, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quote-unquote on, on the obvious. Because the difference between men and women's salary is like $10,000 on average. Because they don't provide any information other than the graph. At the very bottom in small text, it's something like they were taken on like sample sets of minimum 100 people. Which I don't, by the way, I don't <laughs> think is near enough. Yeah, that is. Far short of a minimum sample. 157 million working people. Yeah. So other than that small bit of information that's like, hey, this is basically what the sample size we took. Other than that, you see the graph and it's describing, hey, these different pay rates for different races and the genders within those races. And it looks like there's a obvious wage gap. Uh, sometimes of like thousands of dollars and they don't give you the information like, Hey, both of them were STEM field. 
or like one with stem field also just out of curiosity looked up the amount of female workers in the oil rig industry it's like less than one percent yeah and they get, most blue collar work yeah. is less than one percent i would think and you're looking at hundreds of thousands sometimes millions of dollars oh yeah people getting paid to work on oil rigs right some of the highest paying jobs in america right now are higher paying because they're in demand and those are trade jobs which turn out to be blue collar jobs when you look at these statistics right it, the only thing it states is how much people are getting paid it doesn't take into account experience tenure location number of jobs in the field like all these different numbers that could be had on the graph and you don't really it's a vast oversimplification yeah. i agree and the ratio of women to men in the field never see that no right yeah you you see hey this person and this person one male one female getting paid this much in the same field they have the same experience yeah and you're looking at one to one ratio and that's because there was one woman working in the field. There was one man, even though there are 409,000 other men and like <laughs> five other women. Yeah. And I don't, I know you're comparing or we are comparing men to women in this scenario, but it's like, go dig around and you're going to find that you can find men that make less than what they're worth to like what their job is worth to or what I, I guess what I mean is like a woman could look at her job and say, I'm not getting paid as much as I should be. And I guarantee you, if you look, you will find men that are in the same position. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if that came across right, but no, I get what you mean. I'm not saying that men compared to women. I'm just saying, seeing that you're not getting paid what you deserve or think you deserve or, or however you want to look at it doesn't necessarily correlate to being a sex wage gap because it could be something else entirely because that happens to men too. Not only that. So from a personal level, not a national statistic level, a a little aside, but the people that say something similar to the lines of like, I don't know, we'll just say that the average like demons, demonization of a man is so wild to hear. Not, not in like a, it's just strange to hear, I, I guess, because when you pull away the details and you start generalizing everything you start painting a picture of malice over people who are like just trying to feed their kids generalizing an entire gender as an oppressor class when a man is just trying to work and like put food on the table and enjoy time with their children it just kind of like screws in my head a little bit yeah i think that you and i are on the same page here because i mean we have a visceral reaction to dehumanization. It's just not. It doesn't sit right at all. No, to, no, to it doesn't. It is not. Like, uh, we talked about this a little bit, but 
the uh, the colon like uh, the colony mindset where people just generalize everything. You're sorted by your group identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't take the individual into account at all. It's it's a it's a recipe yeah. for disaster. Every single time the world goes down this road, it leads to one place. And that is, we don't want to go there. You don't want to follow that road <laughs> to the right. end. It like, so you might feel comfortable now because it puts you in num- what you feel like is number one. It puts you in the pole position, but your group, your identity might be in pole position today, but that is not, it's not a forever thing. And if it goes down the wrong path at the wrong time, it gets ugly fast. Humans can be ugly, ugly, yes, evil creatures. The idea that men should be stomped on to tread it over to get to this on the path to victory, quote unquote, doesn't work because the average man isn't on that path. They're they're not the one causing the problems. The people you're going to be walking over are any of the people that are. You're, what you're saying in positions of power to make this to make those problems. Well, I do believe that normal men do suffer from the consequences of the overreach. Oh, that's caused the mayhem that comes out of it. I do believe they can be them. within the blast radius, yeah. for lack of a better term. But I like. Well, I would say generally the powerful men escape. Well, yeah, the villain always escapes. I would say the power, like, the powerful men that they aim to bring down, to tear down from the pedestal, they generally, they, they, <laughs> uh, they're good at what they do. They take their trophy wife and go back to Maui. Okay. <laughs> and they don't give you the feminist another thought. Like, I know that's an oversimplification and, yeah. Not all of them are uber wealthy, but you get my point. I, what ends up happening is the, the societal damage, the culture reconstruction that happens leaves people confused and divisive. It creates actual rifts in society. I, I wish uh, that's kind of wrong to say, but I wish humans had gone through something similar to this, but not as radical earlier. So we could draw lines and be like, this cause problems. This causes problems. We can't do this again because it's very obvious where it's going towards, but people don't see it. Yeah. But really, I think the problem is in this country I'm purely talking about American women and the fight behind American women's rights and over this broad spectrum that we've talked about here, even outside of women's rights. And we're going to come over so many of these issues in Candor Encounter down the road. Personal liberty and freedom. When that left its pedestal and society restructured itself around group identity instead of the inherent worth of the human being 
this it created all of this mess all of it and i i don't know how to go back like we can't let ourselves get sucked into group identity it is the death nail to society in my opinion 100% the like it's good to be want to good to want to be a part of something to be a part of something is fine uh, it's perfect to have someone to go to and be, be like be in this group with right but as soon as soon as you approach any kind of law or something any societal change that you want to make you have to be very careful because society while it's not delicate per se any change can make have radical effects that you didn't plan for just because especially if it turns into a system-wide thing and while there definitely needs to be change had you you can't just kind of like this is what i want and then you gather you know four hundred thousand people behind the movement and be like all right we're that that's the way it's going to be and and if people don't enact that change then they're, we're going to have problems yeah it was um i think it was the q a episode source that we shared on facebook where jordan peterson highlights the different now it may have been a different one i may be wrong anyway there is nothing wrong with group identity in some sense but the question is which one is primary is your group identity primary and the individual takes the back seat or is the individual primary and then your group become a support structure for your life? That's where you have to draw your lines. I agree with that. I don't remember what that's from. <laughs> I don't remember hearing it. I, but I think that's a good way to that that it should be approached. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that groups can't exist. Right. And it's not to say that there shouldn't be any pride or or learning or shared experience or culture or emotional support. There's a million benefits to groups. But you cannot take the place of the individual. So you can make so many friends, life partners, anything from a group. Mm-hmm. But yeah. as, as soon as you say something like you, you set some personal belief you have to the back burner because there is something that your group says that is against it there's some some problem it's like an it's like an eternal because there's no end to how many groups right you you can find disparity in a million different ways depending on how you classify each groups right so i would call it an endless battlefield yeah and the whole purpose of the battlefield is to be an endless battlefield. There's no like right. <laughs> so there's no winner there. Let me tell you guys something, David. Hold on to your thought. And don't forget it. Oh shit! Per- All right, never mind. You got it. Yeah, I got it. All right, seal it up. Don't lose it. <laughs> I'm gonna say something real quick, guys. I don't even know if this will go in the podcast. I don't. We're on a little bit of a break right now, gathering our thoughts. But I'm going to say this podcast started, we were sitting around one day and we were talking and we were like, you know what? We should just record this 
Like we should just record ourselves talking. And, you know, and then I said, well, let's come up with a, you know, a formal format and like, you know, so we went through the process and we made ourselves a podcast, but I don't, you guys don't realize how much we get off topic (laughs) because we have to just cut it out because it's totally not in line with the topic all the time because it'll just lead somewhere. If you've listened to that after death episode, (laughs) that hour, what hour and a half? Yeah. Wasn't it like three and a half, four hours long? It was over three hours for sure. And I cut it down to an hour and 50 minutes. So that was hard enough. I, I try a lot to like keep us going, keep us on topic and like move it, shift it back around. But here's the thing. We we're just going to talk and that's just going to be how it is. Like I really, we are going to try to adhere to the format of candor encounter, but I, if I push too hard or if I try to realign my brain and shift it back and try to force it, I guess no, is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If I try to force it, I'm not going to get there genuinely. So occasionally you might hear a hard break where we shift ideas and you're like, Whoa, what just happened? <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. We started talking about Chinese birth rates. Okay. That's what happened. Legitimately happened today. <laughs> we started studying the terrain of low population states in China. Okay. <laughs> so sit back down and enjoy where we ended up. Per- Rant it's over. Perfect. <laughs> so, both, well, everyone in our family was raised up in a mostly, if not completely, right household, right-wing household. And I have ended up very near to, like, mid-left. When, when I saw this happen when I first came to the realization that it was happening. I was very hesitant just due to the nature of existing. Right. And that was before I like came to my own identity and kind of realigned myself to realize that I I should support what I want and not like what family, which was a very hard thing to do. It's hard to overcome that. Yeah. Because Especially with like all of there are six of us brothers and sisters, by the way. Mm -hmm. So coming to the realization that I'm, you know, might be against like one V five. But then once I realized it's not V anything. It feels like it at first. Yeah. Yeah. But once, once I came to the realization that I mean, we're brothers and sisters period. And like, while it may not be important to some people, it's important to me. I don't know. Everything kind of clicked. And I, I realized my own views are independent of what I feel for family. Yeah. Being able to separate your ideas emotionally yeah. versus personally. Or separate your ideas intellectually versus emotionally. I'm sorry. The idea of having to fight or like 
start a revolution over. I mean, if something needs to change, help change it. But the idea of fighting or starting a revolution over an ideal, especially if there is someone you care about on the other side, there is absolutely no sense to it because you'll just tear down every wall you've ever created to build a house. Yeah, I can see that. Exactly. It's not worth the damage. Yeah. Uh, it just blows my mind that some people take it to such an extreme. I guess radicals can exist for any idea. It just it just doesn't make sense in my head. Well, okay. I do personally feel like there are ideals worth dying for. And as much as I would hate to say it, I would say if they're worth dying for, they're definitely worth dissolving relationships over. And I don't say that lightly. You know, as a brother, I don't say yeah. that lightly. But they are very few. And I believe that they are only worth it because they are fundamental human rights. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like I'm not going to violate principles to preserve a relationship if that's the cause. Oh, yeah. Like, if, <laughs> I, if you were to guess, go back in history... I guess when it, I, I say something like that, it's... But I know I, that it, it feels common sense to like allow. I know you feel the same yeah. way, but you weren't speaking that fundamentally. Yeah. But just over a a policy perspective, or when you're looking at it, it's more like, why would you take something nitpicky and then ruin a relationship? Yeah. That's what you're saying, I would suppose. Yeah, and I I totally agree with that. I feel sad sometimes that some people don't have the sense of family. They don't have the sense of family or the relationships to have learned the ability to let some of that go. Did that come across? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. The... I think it's because all of us are so close, but the ability to understand that someone, even though they have different ideals, are still human. They still love. They still work. <laughs> They're nine to five kind of thing. They still exist. Even with their ideals going on, they're still going through the same thing that you're going through. And once you recognize that on a fundamental level, Everyone is just going through their life and there's no need to cause any more strife than what exists. And I don't mean to take this, this is, I would say a neutral conversation and turn it political. That's not my goal here, but I would say that I, I'm not trying to twist what you're saying. But I would say that's the problem with a lot of the radical positions is it almost forces people into choosing what side of the chasm they're going to be on. You know what I mean? When you have a cultural acceptance of calling people bigots, right, which is a radical left move, when it's culturally acceptable to call people bigots, because of their political beliefs, it creates an inseparable space between 
And when you have people on the right calling people evil or, I don't know, when you have people, maybe even not a name they call them, but I was trying to come up with the opposite side so I could give both examples. But I think it's also, this is a little, we're already way off topic. So I'll say this. It's this binary system we have. We've talked about this binary so much, man. This binary system of right and left. You have two parties. This two-party system, I think it's a recipe for disaster. I agree. I You remember, you? Uh, I'm sure you've seen it, the thing where it's like George Washington said to stay away from political parties. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how this is going to turn out in the end, but... This demonizing is, um, it's not going to work. No. So I guess we'll circle back around. I don't feel like my research has led me anywhere new. I will concede it could be a lack of information, but sort of like altruism and after death data can help a little bit here, but Philosophically speaking, this is a matter of the heart. I would still argue it's a matter. We could talk about men's rights. We could talk about women's rights. We could talk about trans equality. We could talk about all the things. Like original feminism, I think we both agree, was a great thing. Mm -hmm. A great step forward. Massive. Mm -hmm. And necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And leading up to... Uh, like mid third wave mm-hmm. completely like and utterly important. And then it took some wrong turn and turned into something that it shouldn't, shouldn't. Have. And when it took that wrong turn, I think it lost the broad support of women. Obviously there's women out there that support it, but I can see why that a lot of them don't. And I'm, I'm, without sounding I'm on their side and I'm not saying there isn't a single worthwhile cause being fought for by modern feminism but in all of its tentacles it's convoluted itself too much to gather the support it's going to need to move forward in any direction because there's a hundred if you find something supporting feminism by the way like a a YouTube video or something, please throw it in the comments because I want to see more of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we are all open and, and we want to listen. And even if it's a personal experience of yours, yeah, throw it in the comments, an opinion of yours, you don't have to share an article link. If you don't have it, you can just tell us what your experience as a woman has been because we care. And We've had a extreme loss of like solid, I don't know, stories yeah. to read from. I, I was able to find some, some personal experiences. Those are easier to find probably than when I was trying to dig up maybe data. But I, I hope that, I hope that we have a good representation of women in the listening audience because we care about your opinion and, um, if you have anything you could share with us, like David said, just put it in the comments on this post on Facebook where you can find us. And I don't feel like we shifted very much, um, but 
we're candid about that. You know, we have to re-examine ourselves every episode. And as part of that formal process, we state where we are, where we were, that kind of thing. And I'm still here. I'm where I was at before. I do feel a little bit enlightened, I would say. A little bit more informed, I guess. I still feel like there was a lot of information that I didn't see, which really sucks. Because it leaves me wanting. We are where we are. We are where we have been, I should say. All of this process we're making visible to you guys. And sometimes that means that we're going to screw it up in the first part. And we're going to just suck it up and be, and, and yep. go through it in the second part. And I don't know. We are as new to this as as you guys are. So... <laughs> You get to witness us stumble through it, and I'm I'm fine with it. I've already accepted the fact that I'm going to look like, you know what I mean, a, a bull in a china shop. Yeah. I, I just Something I find pretty interesting is you can tell we, we made almost no progress. I have a, I don't know if I call it a confession, an honest statement of expectation. When we first started discussing the podcast and how it was going to go, we had the idea that we were going to dig in and it was a little bit I- idealistic, I guess. Right. It was a little bit. I definitely. What's the word there? I, I definitely imagine it a lot deeper than what we're doing. I Well, I'll be honest and say that tonight I feel like on a personal level, we got deeper regarding the topic. Maybe not, you know, but I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay with where it takes us. And that was, I'm afraid that the initial expectation that this was going to be a, we're going to come to resolutions and tell you how we believe at the end of the episode and bam, Hey, this is what I believe, and this hasn't changed. And then we realize, as we get started, how human we are. Right. And that I'm not an opinion machine that spits out an opinion yeah. receipt at the end of everything. Something strange that I realized, probably episode two, uh, was, well, I, I should say, after candor for episode two i realized that largely we're gonna be along for the ride for all of it hopefully gaining new information hopefully doing this hopefully doing that but largely just riding the wave talking about the topics that because one way or the other we're just gonna be talking yeah and that's all it is and it's i, just I don't through a mic i don't want to destroy the format of candor encounter it's not going away guys i it's just I wanted to let everyone know that we're aware. Like we realize the disparity between the sort of ultimatum designation and description of candor encounter and the way it sort of fleshes out in real life. I mean, this is an experiment for us. It's an experiment for us. Just like you guys are listening to this experiment happen. Even the idea that you guys at home or in your car, or wherever, at work, 
listening are following along and doing the research with us the whole week, don't misplace the truth behind our excitement for for you to do that. Because we want you to follow along. But we understand if you just come here for like us talking about some random topic every week, we fully accept that. <laughs> yeah. And that's that like please join us every week for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean would it be fun if we had a listener that like chimed in and sent us sources and stuff like that? Sure. Absolutely, man. But here's the deal. We didn't know what we were doing when we started this podcast. <laughs> okay. I know that comes as a shock to everybody here. We thought, oh, it'd be cool because like they could do the same thing. And it was just sort of, again, idealistic. And we said it, didn't think about it more. <laughs> and it just sounded cool. Like, oh, wh- wouldn't they want to do that? You know what I mean? But when you think about it, we know as podcast listeners ourselves to other podcasts that it's a, it's not an involved experience. Yeah. It's like, a listening experience. Yeah. Like if right? I, if I listened to a history podcast and they said, make sure to do your research on the Gulf War next week. <laughs> And come back when we all talk about it. Oh my gosh. You just explained. You just broke it down for me. Super simple. We just giving everybody homework. <laughs> yeah. Okay, class. When you come back. Next <laughs> when you come back next week, be sure to bring your textbook and read chapter 35. All right. It again, like David said, it's fine. We don't have the expectation that you're going to go through and like read a bunch of articles on feminism. We're doing it. So you don't have, we're, to. <laughs> we're doing it. And in the last three topics of experience, I would say we realized what we were asking. It sounded simple in theory, in practice, in real life with jobs and family and it being just one podcast of the many I'm sure you <laughs> listen to. And again, thank you for listening to us because it is. I'm so happy that people are able to find something here, whatever it may be. But we're not going to be hitting it as heavy and, and, and recommending you follow along and stuff like that. We're still going to share our sources because we want we want a sort of record of what we consumed to be there. And that was originally the goal was uh, to have a space for people to say, for people to look at and sort of get where our thought process is coming from, where our data came from, where it was sort of an evidential record of how we actually did fair research rather than um, lopsided research. Right. And that's why we still put the stuff up there, even when we were putting it up this week and we were like, this is definitely lopsided. Um, it was, it was what we found. Like it was supposed to be the proof. And one of the reasons we do ask for sources is like today, if you have something that could enlighten us on this subject, I, I would really love it. And I, I, I mean that in a sincere way, I want it on our page and I want it to be exposed to all of us. And if you share it, we will watch it and we will read the whole thing. Guaranteed. Like promised. And so 
you have our ears and eyes and we'll move on from that. But we just wanted to break down a little bit about how we felt. And we had discussed this a little bit earlier and we knew it was something we wanted to go over. When we first designed the podcast, well, before that, technically, when we were talking about recording it, it it was mentioned like we should record it because, you know, it'd be nice to go back because we've talked millions of times before the podcast just about stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Random conversations. And you don't really ever remember specifically the conversations. It's just one of those like, yeah, I knew, I knew we got closer over that time over some random like oh, sushi or tech or it originally started as a we should make an archive of audio. And Chris was like, you know who else does it? Podcasts. <laughs> you think people might enjoy it? And then we we're like, all right, how we do it? And then it kind of went from there. You said you. Do you think people will enjoy it? Or I said, do you think people will enjoy it? And you were like, if they listen, they listen. If they don't, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> it was just like, we're doing it for us anyway. Yeah, we're doing it to archive our discoveries. Right. As as brothers with sometimes differing perspectives, like how do you navigate those issues? And it sounded like fun. Yeah. So we're like, we're going to do that. And it is. And it is fun. And I enjoy every minute of it. Having a hyper fixation for a week is perfect. <laughs> that fits your personality. Yeah. Yeah. That's it in a three hour <laughs> nutshell. <laughs> you know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm done caring that it's too long. <laughs> the only reason that I care it's too long is this is a lot of work. That's the only reason. If you stuck with us, if you made it to the end of this episode, somehow, I want to congratulate you. You get a prize. You get. (laughs) (laughs) We're very proud of you. Actually, though, because we didn't go anywhere. We didn't. I mean, we made a little bit of progress. We like got more in depth on the things we talked about before, but, uh, nothing changed and you're still here. Yeah. Yeah. We treaded water for two hours. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly doggy paddled around the pool. I think I just laid on the, I just think I just laid on the pool noodle and got some sunburn. Like I didn't. All right. This this metaphor has gone way too far, but (laughs) I I think that does it for me. We've already stated it. I support women's rights. To me, modern feminism is damaging to the women's rights movement. Unless I, I see some substantial portion of that movement shift. I, I don't, I don't see that changing because it has, it has too much to do with principles that I won't let go of. No, so I agree. Being forthright there. Like raising people up, yes. Pushing other people down, absolutely not. Yeah. And that goes for anyone. 100%. Whoever you are, we love you. We appreciate you as a human being. We're glad you're here.
So we hope you come back next time and we are going to draw a new topic and go through a whole new discussion and start from the beginning. So until next time. Thanks for listening. stayed. It's just you and me. And me.